Welcome to Spirit in the Schools, a show revealing the Holy Spirit through self-gift and education. And now, here's your host, Mr. Zach Coyle. Spirit in the Schools! Welcome back, listeners, to Spirit in the Schools, where we reveal the Holy Spirit through stories of self-gift and education. I'm your host, Zach Coyle, principal of St. Vincent de Paul in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Today's episode is titled Safe Environment, Peace and Faithfulness. It's a significant thing for an institution to look at itself and commit deeply to the health, safety, and peace of its constituents. And so for the Catholic Church to commit to the Safe Environment Program, we have a model that is doing exactly that, and I'm excited to hear more about it in our episode today. I'm actually thrilled to welcome one of our colleagues that I get to work with on a daily basis, so I'm excited to introduce Jerry Schmidt. She is our Safe Environment Coordinator as well as our Calendar Coordinator, which is a huge amount of work at St. Vincent de Paul. And so, Jerry, we are blessed to have you with us. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Zach. It's good to be here. We are very excited. So actually, that was just for a quick sidebar, because I do think there's a lot of parishes that are really looking to build new life and new energy. And I constantly thank the Lord that long predating me, St. Vincent's has had that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for, for a listener, it could be that, well, why would a parish need a calendar coordinator, you know? So just share a little bit about what what does this look like for you? I mean, this is a huge amount of hours for you each week. What kinds of work are you doing with yeah, that? Yeah, St. Vincent's is a very busy place, as you know. Um, we have over um, 60 ministries and groups that regularly meet on campus. And so to avoid a collision mm-hmm. um, and to make sure that the facilities are set up according to their needs, sure. um, we have a calendar coordinator, I guess, and that's me. And everything that's scheduled on campus goes through my um, desk. you and your office, yes, um, absolutely. And I, you know, schedule accordingly. Yeah. Uh, We have um, a lot of... um, Just all kinds of ministries that I think of. And I'll tell you, Jerry, I actually didn't know that the number that was regularly meeting was 60. I would have actually guessed it was more like, you know, 40 or, or even 30 to 40. That is profound. And indeed, I mean, you could almost call yourself kind of like a traffic light then to avoid that collision. And right. and it works. You do a great job. And I have to commend you too. I mean, I can think of a few times these last years when it's been, you know, a group suddenly comes forward with a new need. Something happened and they have to get together and respond to something. Or it could be a funeral, you know, and of course mm-hmm. that can't be planned. And so the family needs a space. And you're so kind to call and work with these 60 groups and sometimes others would you be willing to adjust, right? And, and we do. Yeah. Like and there's so much that. Christian charity people are very accommodating, of course, especially in the case of a funeral. Yeah. Like you said, we can't plan ahead for those. No. And um, school has to adjust. Oh, and, yes. And when things come up at school that you need the Life Center for a, a presentation or right. a, a last minute meeting, uh, we try to make it work. Well, your depth of knowledge is great because really for me to even think they're like, Sometimes the very um, nuanced details for me are not always my strong suit. So you'll know right away that, oh, there's a conflict here. I need to call this group. Yep. So anyway, just kudos to you for all the calendar coordinating, because that is a huge part of your job and you do a great job with it. I can say for my two years at St. Vincent's, I have never once, and I, I really just commend you for it, I've never once encountered a collision, but I have in other ministry, you know, in earlier walks mm-hmm. in life in other parishes, because we didn't have that role and they were still big enough to have that collision happen. And that's... That's tough when two groups show up thinking they each have the space. Right. You know, we're both trying to do something good for the Lord. 
Uh, but then you have this, well, who gets to actually gets, do it right yeah. now? You know, so this way happens, to go. It happens once in a blue moon, but we try to avoid it. Yeah, you do. You do great. So, well, let's switch to safe environment. So okay. just um, background I'm going to ask you to kind of pick your brain. So you'll get to tell our listeners about what we mean by it, but it's a program to protect our children, right? So like, it's very basic. Yep. And the reason I really wanted to show to me where I see the Holy Spirit in this, anyone listening, we might have a great deal of Catholic listeners. We might have a great deal of non-Catholic listeners, but we get, unfortunately, so much negative media attention. And, And some of this, I say unfortunate, some of this actually is appropriate, needs to happen when there's been some kind of wrongdoing in the church. Correct. And of course, if you're a student of history, you know, you have a 2,000-year-old institution. There's plenty of examples of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that actually is appropriate, but people can get sometimes fixated. But what I think is absolutely God at work is when an institution says, we have a problem and we're not going to simply, you know, any number of wrong responses, hide that problem, sweep it under a rug, ignore it, do nothing. We have, in this case, a deeply intentional way to say, we're not going to tolerate this because this is not in line with the teachings of Jesus Christ safe environment is, but the behavior, you know, uh, necessitating to protect children from abuse, right? So I just think there's real beauty in the church saying, absolutely, we are going to serve Jesus Christ the right way. And if we found that human sin has been a part of the picture, we're going to respond to that with something very deep and meaningful. And it's that depth that I really want to speak to, Jerry. So thank you so much for joining us for that. You know, it's, uh, there's beauty in that. And I also think too, just so many times, because all of our volunteers have to have this. So we'll tease all this out, listeners, in just a moment. You know, you can get that, oh, you know, I got to renew. I got to go do the training. Oh, I've got to find time. And, you know, how am I going to fit that in? There is still, though, so much goodness at the heart of what we're doing here with Safe Environment that it's really worth reminding our own parish and our own listeners, mm-hmm. like, what are we actually committing to here to help serve Jesus Christ? And so we'll get to all of this. But, Jerry, let's just kind of get right into it. So for a listener who's, ne- well, what do we mean by Safe Environment? So other dioceses might have a slightly different wording for it, but what kinds of things are we working to do with our Safe Environment program? Well, for Safe Environment in general, we hope to ensure that children and youth who worship and study or participate in activities sponsored by the parish uh, can do so in a, in a safe and secure setting. Mm-hmm. That's what we, Amen. that's our goal. Amen. And um, so back in 2003, Bishop Darcy implemented the program um, with the uh, USCCB backing and um, the Charter of Protection for Children and Youth. And um, so that's what the diocese... And that's that response I'm talking about, right? That's the... the, We have the... You know, we we report to every year the USCCB as our program. Like, let's just pause right there. That is beautiful. And a lot of our parents in our diocese may not know that. And some, it might, again, have a slightly different wording, but it's happening around our nation, right? Mm -hmm. And a listener could pick this up around from another country. And if you are, USCCB is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So there, we are reporting back actually proof that we are in fact taking this charter to protect our young people, mm-hmm. not only seriously, but that it actually becomes part of our, our really our, in some sense, daily, but certainly our annual protocols for reviewing and our, and our monthly and our weekly. So it's that reporting back, <laughs> it is daily for you. And it's a huge yes. amount of work. Yes. How many would you say? I mean, I don't, I don't expect you to know the exact number. Oh, but, I know. The, oh, you have the, see, this yeah. is great. This is why, Jerry, you right are just. Right now I have yeah. 1,042 active users. That's amazing. Employees and volunteers wow. at St. Vincent's. 1,042. And that number may have gone up by a couple because I entered a couple people today. So, yeah. you know, um, and there's 14. 
1,500 archived users, which are employees and volunteers from St. Vincent's who are no longer active. Sure. So that's, you know, that's a, a lot huge of people percentage of that the have gone parish. through the program um, over the years. Yes. Um, yes. Well, glory be to God. Thank yes. you. So going back to the Charter for the Protection for Youth, uh, you know, we now have this very robust program in safe environment. And I love your wording, Jerry, of keeping our children safe and secure because there's you know, a lot of times we might just kind of meld those words. Mm-hmm. They really mean different things, right? Mm-hmm. Safe is, of course, the condition of actually encountering the safety, but like that internal reality of feeling that you are at peace and, you know, not subject to any kind of wrong. Like that's security, right? So the secure yes. was just such a great word. But anyway, let's let our listeners know a little bit about, so we've we've started to say our volunteers will participate in safe environment training. Yes. Our employees, of course, participate in safe environment training. Mm-hmm. But it goes so much deeper for the Catholic Church and our Catholic schools, and that's something that I think is just worth celebrating. Our students themselves participate in this training. Yes. So I'd like to ask you a little bit more um, about all that. And of course, our, our priests do too. And I think that's something that it really could be that somebody wouldn't know. Like our bishops are so serious about protecting young people that they've mandated priests to receive ongoing training that this mm-hmm. recurs every so many years. And it can be slightly different um, depending on where how the students do it and how an employee does it or how a volunteer, but every uh, very much embedded in the life of service, this training will, will be there, right? So um, tell our listeners, Jerry, if you would, just a little bit, what does the training consist of in terms of a volunteer or, or employee? They're learning to prevent child abuse. Right. And so the training's done online. Yes. And so what types of things, I mean, we're talking about a Roughly about an hour for most people to complete. Does that sound right? Um, the initial training for volunteers is roughly an hour. Um, it it incorporates um, some of the initial training that was done previously to the diocese adopting and partnering with Catholic Mutual Group, sure. which right. is the company you know provides it for provides us now. it for us now uh, since June of 2018. Um, they um and then every two years training is required every two years for volunteers yeah. and employees and each segment or each two years it's a different training module so you're not watching the same thing again that's important for someone to know and too so, yes so you're not seeing the same thing over again you're getting new material yes and they discuss different um, aspects of protecting aspects children. Of protecting children, and um, I have spoken with people who have recently done a training yes. in the second second year or fourth year or whatever, and they're quite taken back by how they never thought of what things to look for to, to look protect for. children. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and there I'll get in a term. I mean, it's it's not a fun thing to think about in one sense, but. We absolutely need people to understand the concept of grooming, of how a predator tries to ingratiate himself or herself with a a young person so that they Mm -hmm. can hurt them. And if we didn't give training on that, you know, there's so much within, I would think, probably any Christian church, but certainly within the Catholic church, we believe the good. We we assume the good. We we expect, you know, that somebody's authentic and yet human sinfulness is real. And so, you know, you, you can't forget that. And so learning about that helps other employees and other volunteers be alert for is, is there a boundary being crossed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. long before somebody's actually physically harmed? But is there a boundary in the way the person is? And that's an important thing to learn about, right? right? So I just, again, I praise our church for saying, if we've had actual wrongdoing, and we have, if we've had actual suffering, and again, we have, 
we're not going to sit idly by. We're going to design a program to prevent this from happening to other people and, and get strong. And that's something I think that needs to be celebrated. So the two years, so there's always a new facet to it, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is profoundly good. And I would say the same for the students. You know, they they receive training appropriate to their yes. age. Yes. Um, students that are ages 11 to 17, if they are going to be volunteering or working with um, youth, younger children, right. uh, say in a daycare situation for an event mm-hmm. or whatever, um, they too have to complete um, a modified version of safe environment. And that's what the diocese came up with, the code of conduct for youth working yes. with younger children. Yes. So it's a one-page synopsis of guidelines of appropriate behavior for them and for the people that they're serving, right. uh, the children that they're serving, as well as then a one-page application to fill out to be signed by the student as well as a parent. Good. And um, once I get that back, I will run a, a check at the National Sex Offender Public Website, right. which is a public, you know, website. Separate, but there Separate, for our but, use, yes. But I, I run that, and then it goes downtown, and they get put in the system, and they're, they're registered to volunteer. Registered to volunteer. Well, and, and to add to that, so that's going to cover, you said 11 to 17, mm-hmm. but then even the grade school children themselves receive training on how to yes. know to be safe themselves so yes. that they can, because we have to realize, well, wait a minute, how does a five-year-old or a six-year-old begin to know they're in an unhealthy situation? And at some level, there's there's some core cognition from the conscience that if something was happening, it wouldn't, mm-hmm. the child themselves maybe know, would could know that. But our church is going so much more, I think, boldly and and more deep with this to say, we're actually going to teach them, again, very age appropriate. We're not going to be the ones introducing inappropriate themes, but mm-hmm. to know how an adult should talk to you, to know what uh, safe conversation and behaviors look like. And they learn that starting in the grade school years. That to me is something that absolutely deserves attention and, and celebration because, you know, I think there's many throughout the nation now, there's lots of, um, in the public schools, different types of programs to protect children, but it doesn't always reach the kids themselves. So I really compliment. Now, how much of that um, do you work with, really? Because That we have, I don't. Yeah. Uh, that comes from the, the school, teachers. from the teachers, yep. the um, counselor, school counselor, and the um, DRE. Well, but the beauty, um, though, of the reporting back to the USCCB is that right. we do that, yes. right? And I and, sign and off and on that, that comes report. Up on the, yeah, you sign off on yep. the report, and it goes to the diocese in January or February or whatever. Yep. And um, then that segment of it is done. My part, what I do— um, finishes at the end of the audit year, which sure. is June 30th. So I'm coming up to a deadline here sure. to get everybody screened. Well, you're <laughs> kind to come in with us uh, today, Jerry. That's great. But uh, just to say for a listener again, what we mean from the grade school component of it, we actually, as principals, have to verify that our teachers, and in our case, we're very blessed to have our school social worker who does this for us, mm-hmm. but it could be the teachers themselves, have actually completed this training and there is an assessment in certain grades to even prove further, not only that the training has happened, but you can actually measure the student's learning of it. So um, mm-hmm. there's just so much beauty to me in that. So um, one of the things, Jerry, too, so that people understand this commitment is real and that you're not an island. You know, if there's something that comes along, who are people who you can turn to for help to review, you know, if a background screen warrants closer attention or if you need clarity on a policy or something, who are some of the people that support you in your work? I turn to the folks downtown at the diocese, um, the Safe Environment Office. Yeah. Uh, right now, that's Babette and Zelinsky and Joe Garcia. Sure. 
And um, they always had the answers. Yes, isn't so, that great? So they're of great support. And I know that in, in certain cases, um, because part of this is somebody's coming on board will also be the background screen, and you you kind of referenced that earlier, but it might um, be the case that there could have been something that is in no way a threat to a child, but um, may not have been the best choice mm-hmm. um, or could not be a threat to a child. So here I'm thinking especially like a driving offense. Right. Um, it could well be a threat to a child if that person is in the wrong place and if the child's, but it could be that that person has had some time to recover. And if they're not driving, could still be serving as a volunteer That's in correct. another capacity. So there, there's an opportunity for principals and pastors to weigh in mm-hmm. and actually review a case and still have a, a gateway for somebody to volunteer. And I think there's goodness in that too, that we're, we're as deep as looking at, okay, somebody had something in their life. This was obviously not the choice they needed to make. Uh, but where could there be an opportunity for grace in that for type growth of circumstance? And yes. Growth that's taken yeah. place over the years and and here they are. Right. Yeah. And the safety there though too. Like mm-hmm. so yeah, certainly by policy, they're not gonna drive anyone. Done. But mm-hmm. where can they come into the school and, and offer goodness and help? Yes. And I love that we have that opportunity. So mm-hmm. just yes, I, I really did want to um really ask you about some of these questions. And I really, again, I'm gonna come back to this. The current database, if I if I had it right, was one thousand forty two registered. And you said you had about 1,400 archived users. Correct. And this is in a parish that I think on our books, Father Dan will say is about 12,000. Mm-hmm. But s- still, that is a significant, that's about 20% yeah. in some way working with youth. And if our diocese is crystal clear and all dioceses are now, if you want to work with youth, you're going to have this training happen first. Yep. And, you know, it can be sometimes, um, you know, office staff, principals can sometimes say, well, it's kind of hard to have to tell a parent well, hey, you can't volunteer today, you know, because you haven't done this. And and that's not wrong to say, you know, it, it can be hard, but yet it's actually beautiful because it's saying, actually, our Catholic Church has affirmed that mm-hmm. we are not going to tolerate anyone who, who hasn't had this training coming into the school. And we're just, we're going to be unified by this and we are not going to stand idly by and allow a problem that has been in the church in, in recent years to continue to be a problem. You know, that's to me, like, that's where you find the common ground. Like, Mm-hmm. Sure, mom or dad, obviously very disappointing. Um, I am sure, again, believing the good, like in no way would you harm anyone, but yet we are together living this commitment. Right. And that has helped me build some buy into it. Like, yeah, you have disappointment in this moment. Anyone told, hey, you can't come in today. But that's also because we we are communicating regularly. You do need the training. So if somebody hasn't unfortunately, you know, maybe done their reading from the school emails or, yeah. or whatever, um, but that's especially if a family's new to a school, that can be a shocker. Like, oh, I, I actually have to have it done before I start. Yes. Well, yeah, but but that way we're living more of the goodness of, of the Lord's plan for our school. So I just thought that was profound. And I I can't help but think, um, I was blessed to have a homily. This was in the uh, recent Easter season. And so this was actually a cathedral where we, one of the priests was um, giving this great homily. And so from scripture, uh, of course, I'm not going to quote the scripture completely right, but it was from the second reading. And so I think it was Peter, but I, I'll, listeners, forgive me for not being the scripture theologian, but just to get to the point, uh, what it talked about was, if it was Peter writing, always have a reason to share for your hope. Always be ready to speak to your hope in Christ in the resurrection. Always be prepared to share that. And so that was really what his homily was on, is that we should really take that seriously as Christians about where are we actually, if we meet somebody who says, well, why are you hopeful or why are you joyful? So his answer to me is coming right back to safe environment. He shared his three. He has three reasons that he, so he talks about God. He obviously is a priest, you would hope, but you know, God exists. Mm-hmm. And he went through some of the proofs of God's existence, like, booyah, you know, I love, okay, number one, you are hopeful. 
Number two, Jesus rose from the dead. There's too many lives changed. There's too many appearances. There's too many people who were willing to accept torture and death because the reality of God rising from the, you know, all of that. Okay, beautiful. And then third was exactly this, that he spoke to the history of the Catholic church. And he said, if, if this was simply a human club, you know, some kind of like a sports club or some other secular institute, there's been too many attacks on it over 2000 years. And there's been too much failing within that it, there's no way it could continue. But yet the Holy Spirit infuses and calls us to correct that and, and to grow, right? So like you think about the Christian journey, and this is to me where the Holy Spirit is in our safe environment. All of us are called to grow, you know, in, in our walk with the Lord. And so this, the Catholic Church, I think there's such a grace in the Christian life. I don't know if you've ever found, Jerry, sometimes um, somebody from another Christian tradition might say, well, why do you have confession? You know, that's not something our tradition has. And to me, confession is one of the most profound ways I feel the Lord's presence in my life because God's saying, I'm so happy that you're growing, right? That you've come to, to seek me. And so um, that growth for a person, I really see the church mimicking this in the safe environment that we've said, oh, the church in the modern era, staffing, I mean, 43 schools alone in our diocese. And you think about, I truly don't know the number of dioceses in our nation. I should, I believe it's 190 some odd. And I, I don't want to misspeak, but how many Catholic schools are operating right now? In the modern era, we need a program like this to know that we're growing. Mm -hmm. So um, now, Jerry, how many years have you been in the safe environment role? Uh, since the beginning, 20, All right. 20 years. Now that has to make you have some of the depth of vision, at least for our diocese. Yeah. I mean, are you aware of any other um, coordinator that served as long? Um, no, I I don't because I was there from the get-go. Sure. And um, yes. so it's... Well, and this is and, a ministry that there's less common meetings. So like mm -hmm. for principals, we have periodic meetings throughout the right. year where we're together. Yep. But uh, there's probably not been, at least in my time, a safe environment meeting in that same way. Mm -hmm. But what a testament of decades of service. Think about how many times, and we won't know these times, that this training just had someone pause and think about, yes, I am fundamental to keeping children safe. And whatever good came from that, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it did prevent something that could have happened. But even if not, it helps deepen and recenter that commitment. I want our children to be safe and good and loved. And if they have that, then they can grow in their faith. And it creates you know? an awareness um, of their surroundings yes. with the children yes. and that someone may not have thought of before. Yeah, and I love that there's just, even at a basic, some, some of the basic part of the training itself is healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. There is so much in the modern world that truly breaks that down. That says we don't, you know, modern technology use and, and there's so many things. I mean, I could go on a tangent there and I, and I really won't, but it can be very true that adults struggle, just any adult in any walk with a healthy boundary, mm -hmm. right? So like actually taking time so the students understand that and the adults understand that is beautiful, you know? And that, I, I don't know, the Holy Spirit had to be in it for knowing that that needed to be part of the training because mm -hmm. you could have somebody who doesn't actually mean harm but hasn't been taught the appropriate boundary, right? And so um, some of that I do think is in your personality as a leader and, and as an educator, you know, you have that. But it's so profound that our church says, well, we're going to work with volunteers and, and people come from all walks of life and we're going to teach them that healthy boundary, you know, right off the gate. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Jerry. 20 years, that's, that's truly amazing. Well, I, I do want to think from that, you know, You've probably had any number of times when somebody has called you to talk about safe environment. And I would have to think sometimes it's, it's on that flip side when they're frustrated about, oh, well, I can't volunteer right now because, you know, yeah. mine's lapsed. I have to renew it. Um, 
And I know that you've worked with me and I so value your goodness in this that, you know, staff need reminders, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we have to help, you know, kind of spur that on sometimes. But I'm wondering, have you seen at any point in the road, somebody later say, you know, I did learn from this or I am grateful from, I mean, I think you mentioned that a little bit earlier in our podcast today. Does a story come to, not that you have to name anyone or anything, but have you had moments where somebody said, you know, I couldn't this time and that was frustrating. But the more I think about it, I'm really glad that I had to stop and and actually do this Yeah, I just had someone two, three weeks ago finish the training. Okay. And um, she mentioned to me that um, she went to her granddaughter's event Mm-hmm. I'm somewhere else yes. at another school or whatever. And she was just, it was just in the back of her head what she had just learned yes. and how, like I said, it creates an awareness yeah. um, for someone who had never thought of, you know, uh, protection of children mm-hmm. in, you know, boundaries yes. and grooming and, and whatever. Yeah. And um, so she, you know, she said, I'm really glad I saw that. Yes. You know, well, that um, to me has to be part of the joy of this work, yeah. right? That you can actually see somebody realizing, well, the need actually is is real, that we're, we're going to, yeah. everyone serving in our diocese is going to experience this training. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, who knows? She could have been in another school, Northeast Indiana. Our diocese is very near Ohio, very near Michigan. She could be in another diocese, you know, right. wherever it would be. But that's that's beautiful. Well, and two, I thought about some advice. So, you know, any listener out there, uh, we can have any number of times where a barrier might exist, right? You know, I mean, if their work was in another industry, those barriers would look different. But I do think for you, a barrier can be somebody struggling with, oh, man, I have so many parents who are upset that, um, or staff, you know, I have to get this training done and everything. So just... If you were speaking to another safe environment coordinator and wanting to give them some good encouragement, um, what's what's a great way to help people in those moments or or tips for persevering or that that kind of thing, right? You know, I I received a lot of um, feedback from um, our former diocesan safe environment coordinator. Yes, and um, you know she was excellent at giving us safe environment coordinators the encouragement to. Good persevere that especially when COVID hit and everything kind of fell to the wayside as far as volunteers go. I mean, that everything kind of just, that was a hard time and uh, just to keep us uplifted and, and thinking positive. And um, I think in general for someone in this role, you have to be patient and you have to be kind Mm -hmm. um, and persistent. Yes. Because and hopeful because um, I can be looking at the same name over and over and over again sure. and waiting and waiting and waiting for a response. And I'll walk in one day and turn on my computer and there it is. They, and it's done. They, and oh, it's, yes. You know, they, they saw the light and <laughs> did, did what they needed to so that they can, you know, enjoy the benefits of being, you know, volunteering yes. in the school or church or wherever. Absolutely. I and, love those uh, virtues um, you spoke to, persistence, kindness, hope, right? Yeah. You know, um, and there's ministry that really requires that. You know, I think authentic Christian growth requires all of the virtues, but certain ministries require others, right? More than mm-hmm. some of them more than others, I should say it that way. And indeed, I do think you need that persistence. And I do think you need that hope, you know, um, and of course, kindness. Yeah, it's I think that's fundamental, you know, that we think, well, this is 
ultimately not a huge burden to complete, you know, if it's an hour of somebody's life. It's so funny because I'll have one person complete everything within 24 hours Mm -hmm. and then others, you know, is, is... Days, months, weeks, whatever. And there's some commentary in the modern society that we're all so over inundated with information that Mm -hmm. it can seem to some that an hour actually is this mountain, you know? And it's like, wait a minute, this role that that you're living so well is actually about establishing our priorities, right? right? So like our priority first in any form of working with the kids. So this, we're speaking about from the schools, but this is youth ministry. This is, I mean, anything involving the kids. Our priority is Jesus Christ, and we're going to keep them safe, and Mm -hmm. we're going to keep them secure. And I love that you open with that. So Mm -hmm. thank you for your persistence, Jerry. That's so good. Well, I'll tell you, we love to end with a prayer because, you know, one of the things we would ask for in this prayer would be God's blessing on this program. But I think it's just a time to ask all of our listeners uh, to celebrate them listening today and ask God's blessing on them as well. So, Jerry, would you join me in a prayer for all of our safe environment coordinators and uh, for listeners today? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, I really do want to thank you for all the good that Jerry does. And I want to thank you for the good that our Catholic Church stands for in establishing this safe environment program. And so I would ask your blessing on all those who coordinated that indeed the persistence needed, the kindness needed, the hope needed would only grow in them. And Lord, bless our families. All of this work is about our families encountering your goodness, love, and safety. And so may that reign supreme and may we know you in all forms of service, particularly today through our safe environment work. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a joy. And listeners, tune in next week for more Spirit in the Schools. You've been listening to Spirit in the Schools. Zach Coyle has been your producer and host. This episode was edited by Tony Marks. And for more information, go to spokestreet.com slash spirit. Spirit in the schools. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.